Alrighty, welcome to episode eight of the Let's Talk Tennis podcast. I'm your host, Tom, and I'm here with Marty and Vulzi. Um, for all of our fans out there, we do apologize that we've taken a couple of weeks off of the podcast because we've had some exciting developments in uh, the Let's Talk Tennis podcast world. And Marty, congratulations. You are a proud father. As I a sure fan. am. I sure am. Thank you very much. It feels great. Um, lack of sleep is real, guys. So get as much sleep as you can before you become a parent. Um, <laughs> the best advice I can give you. So that's all I'm going to talk about that for now. Let's, let's roll with the show and we'll have more fun with it as we go. Absolutely. Vols, how's things going with you, my friend? Yeah, doing great. I'm excited to be here. Congratulations, uh, Martin. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's exciting moment for you. Yeah, thank you, brother. Life-changing stuff. But um, that kind of rolls us into the topic of what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about tennis parents and everything yeah. that goes into tennis parents. And if anyone's listening that has been involved in tennis, whether as a player, a coach, or even as a parent, you will understand the, uh, the stressful situation that tennis parents are in. Um, and we're going to kind of discuss the dynamics of that today and then potentially give us, give you the best advice that we've got and, uh, and how you can deal with certain situations. So I think the first thing we'll do is we'll address the situation for the parents, because I actually have quite a strong opinion on this. And I think tennis parents get a bad rap at times. And the more that I was around tennis parents, the more I started to understand this. Because when I first started coaching, I was like, man, these, these tennis parents are crazy. Like, I can't deal with this. And then the more I got into it and the more experience I became, the more I started to kind of understand why it appeared that they were crazy. Um, but guys, just before you know, I give my opinion, what's, uh, what's your view right now on tennis parents and their situation? We're looking at it from their point of view. Well, I'll start it off. Um, you know, I, I just want to set the scenario of what you just talked about because it's a very interesting topic. And the way I see it is there, it's always a team of three. You have the player, the coach, and the parent. And everyone has to contribute in a way to make it for the best of the, the player, obviously. Sure. And communication has been the biggest tool that I have used in order to be successful at this relationship. And, you know, there's been good times, there's been bad times. And, you know, I think if everybody's on the same page and, you know, knowing what their role is in that team, there can be great things can happen. So I'm going to leave it at that and see what, it, what else you guys have to add before we move forward. Yeah, yeah Martin, I think, I, think, I think I agree totally with you. The, the communication part uh, is, is, is crucial, uh, but it's also like, uh, tough, tough to say uh, sometimes when you're a coach, uh, but uh, you have to have a good communication with, with the, your kids' parents. Uh, because don't, I mean, don't get me wrong, sometimes it's true that uh, there's, there are cases in which parents have uh, put a lot of pressure in their kids and eventually they become successful. Uh, but uh, in you know uh, until what what we can say it's it's successful because uh, maybe the player is gonna get there uh, on a professional level but is the player actually 
you know, burn out from that experience or, or is it really uh, helping him, uh, uh, you know, is helping him or her through, through their professional lives, you know? Uh, so it's, yeah, maybe we can debate that uh, in, yeah. in, in, this, in this podcast, but uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you I think, mean, Tom? Yeah, I agree. I agree with both you guys. You know, I think that communication is the absolute key. And, and the thing I, I started to understand, thankfully, quite early on in my coaching career was that I had to educate the parents as much as I had to educate the players because I, I feel for these, these parents, like tennis is a very complex sport. There's so much that goes into it. And it's not a sport that most parents have played themselves. And kids get into tennis for all different reasons. And typically the average parent that I dealt with had no idea about tennis, maybe played a little bit, but hadn't really played in a competitive environment. And then especially kids that get good, these parents are now having to deal with this athlete that is, is excelling in a sport they have no idea about. And it's not like any other team sport. It's where, you know, where the whole team is going through this thing together. These parents have got to make decisions for an individual and we know that there's only a finite time that, that these kids can develop and they can, they can actually develop skills to be successful in the sport. And a, and a, a bad decision can set them back years, you know, and, um, and it's a lot of stress for the parents. And so I do think the coaches have a massive um, role and responsibility to make sure that they are educating the parents so that parents understand and trust what the coaches are doing. And I think if coaches did a better job of that, if they did a better job of just going like, okay, here's why I'm doing this and feel free to ask questions. I'll explain it to you until you get it. And then the parents wouldn't feel the need to have to get involved as much as they, some, some parents do. Um, you know, and then talking about the pressure that Vols talked about is like, no, there's no manual for tennis parents. You know, there's no manual to how, to, they're not coaches. They don't understand how to, deal with their own emotions that they're maybe projecting onto their kids because they want the kid to do well so badly because it's their kid. And then all of a sudden, you know, their kid starts feeling pressure, but the parent doesn't know how to stop that from happening necessarily. And so, you know, Marty, you'll know there's no manual to be a parent, let alone a tennis parent. So yeah. I do, again, I think the, the role comes into the coaches then being strong enough to, to, to say, look, I think you're putting too much pressure on the kid. This is why. This is kind of techniques that you can do um, to stop that from happening. Like I used to tell the parents of some of my players, like, don't talk to them about tennis when they're at home. Like, don't, you know, have a safe place where you guys can be a normal family, where you're not talking about tennis 24-7. Because we all know, and probably people that are listening to this, know that tennis overwhelms your life. It becomes like, if you have a good day on the court, you're having a good day. If you have a bad day on the court, you're having a bad day. And normally the people around you are going through the same emotions because you set the mood. I remember my parents used to say to me, if I played badly and I came into the house, the whole mood of the house changed. And that's a difficult thing for people, for families to deal with, uh, especially as such an individual sport. So I do, you know, go, let, let's talk about the pressure side of things a little bit. What would, you, what would you say to a parent or how would you help a parent stop putting so much pressure on a, on a kid? Well, that is, uh, I mean, this is probably very debatable and I'm, I'm going to ask you what your opinion is after I talk about it. But there comes an age where the kid is 
you know, engaged in the sport, start to like it, and eventually wants to just pick one sport to play. You know, he's, he's playing mm. several sports when he's young. Eventually, okay, say he likes tennis. And, you know, it's, it's important that he starts learning to be accountable for, you know, for, for going to practice on time, for eating well, for, for, you know, having good work ethic, for having his equipment ready. And, you know, also performing in matches, not necessarily the, the outcome mm. perspective of winning or losing, but at least competing. Mm. And um, I think that is where the, the, the pressure is applied the most from a parent where, you know, they're, they're expecting, you know, them to, for all the hours they're putting in on the court, all the money they're putting down for the coaches to, you know, essentially excel. And in their mind, that might be win. And mm. it's not necessarily true, as we know. It's it's a long process that, you know, a kid might not even develop to his full potential until he's out of college or beyond college when he's thirty. Look at this guy who reached uh, pretty far in the in the Aussie Open. What did he get to the? Was it the semifinals? Finals, yeah. Yeah, f- first time debut in the in the Australian Open. At what age? What age is he now? I think it was between twenty seven or something like yeah, that. He was, yeah. yeah, he's yeah, older. So, yeah, so an older guy and, and you know, he's been playing tennis his whole life and just now find, I think he found his true potential. Mm. So I don't know, what do you guys think is a good age to start keeping a kid accountable once he's decided that he's going to take on tennis? When is a good age for you guys to, do you think? It's a, it's a good question. I mean, I think it, it counts on two things. One, I think it depends on the kid. Um, when the kid is showing the maturity levels to be able to be held accountable. Um, and I think that again goes down to the parents and the coaches on the education piece to the kid. Um, because you can't, I don't think, you know, if a kid has not been educated to a certain extent on how to hold himself accountable, or how to hold himself accountable, you can't automatically accept they're going to be accountable for their actions. But, you know, if a kid has been coached, um, on this stuff for a few years, you know, maybe depending on when they started, but I would say, you know, by 10, I believe, and I work with 10 year old kids. I still mentor a few 10 year old kids. Like I hold them accountable for their actions. They're, they're smart enough, you know, to, to be able to know between the, between right and wrong. And they've been told enough by me and their coaches and their parents that this is the kind of stuff that you need to be focusing on. And then if the kid isn't doing it, that's, that's down to the kid and continuing to educate them. I think when, you know, when the parents have that trust in the coach, because the coach has done a good, good job of communicating, I think they, they start to naturally allow the kid to, to have a bit more um, say in what they do and be held accountable a bit more because they know the coach is there to overlook it. I think a lot of parents try to micromanage when they don't have full trust in the coach. And you see a lot of player, parents that will pull kids from academies and take them all over the place because the trust between the coach and the parent is broken down. And so therefore the kid doesn't get that chance. So that makes sense. Um, but I th- yeah, I think it's, 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 a, it's a difficult one to put an age to, but I think there is a moment where the uh, time period where the kid, you're like, okay, that kid, he knows or she knows between right and wrong, and they need to be held accountable now. Because as you said, that's such a valuable piece of, of becoming a tennis player. Like parents can invest all this money and the kid maybe never does anything in tennis. 
but I don't think it's a waste of investment. I used to say that to parents all the time. Like if you're, you're investing your, your kid and, and we've talked about this before in the podcast into becoming a better human and tennis is a great sport in order to develop that. But the parent has to allow that process to happen and the coach has to do a good enough job to allow that parent to feel comfortable to, to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Vols? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, um, like you ha I'm same, same in the same line as you guys are saying, uh, for me, it comes down to the communication you're ha having with the parents. Uh, of course, there are different scenarios of which type of parents maybe are not helping their kid to go in the right path or, or developing uh, better as a player. Um, I'm sure all of three, us three, uh, have had the experience with parents and, and yes, coaches, it can be a bit frustrating and you have to manage it well. And uh, again, uh, communicating with them is, is, is the right thing to do. But for example, I remember, uh, you know, as, as a, for example, one scenario that we can talk about, you know, I, I remember, I'm not going to say, of course, the name of the kid, but I remember this kid was in the academy and he's such a great kid, very talented uh, player. And uh, I remember that uh, his, his dad uh, used to, well, he was known because he was all the time changing academies uh, to places and uh, to different places. And the kid was such a great kid that he was all the time just trying to readapt to the new situation. And, and he was making friends. And suddenly, uh, because whatever performance he was not doing right, he was moved away. So I'm not saying that all parents uh, are doing that. Of course not. But my point is that I think coaches and parents have to have uh, communication and basically the coach saying that the, pa the parent have to have the role as of, of a parent, you know, yeah. of yeah. course it's important. It, of course it's important that the parent is there in, in, in their kids' uh, development, but knowing the, the role that they're having and trusting the coach. So, so I think, um, you know, maybe we'll, for those parents that don't feel that they're, you know, trusting the coach for where, whatever reason it is, just just try to, to you know, talk talk to the coach and for sure there's sort, some sort of agreement that you can get to and, and which is going to be better for, off for, for, for the coach, the parent and the, the player, you know? For sure. Yeah. I used to, I mean, the results piece is such a big part of that as well. Like, you typically see parents pulling kids when they're not getting results, right? They pull them from academy, they say, not getting the results, we need to go somewhere else. They're not playing against the players they need to be playing against. We, we've all had this, right? Is that, hey, my kid's the best kid here. They're not getting pushed hard enough. We need to take them somewhere else. And the only way I was able to ever successfully manage those situations was to take the blame. Was as a coach was to say, there's more I can do to help here. There's more I can do. I, I need to figure out what it is, but I need to take the pressure off the kid and build that kind of protection for the kid. And I also need to be very open and honest with the, with the parent because I think when you do that, when you say, look, there's things we can do better here. There's, there's, there's things I can, I can do to, to add additional stuff in for this kid before you take them away. The parent then starts to realize, actually, they, they do care. They do really want to help this kid. And I think that builds a, a bridge between you and the parent. Um, when coaches fight back and coaches just say, you don't know what you're talking about, or they make the parent feel like they don't know what they're talking about, then that's where I think the communication breaks down and parents just go, right, I'm pulling the kid then. Because ultimately the parents are going to have that kind of ego side of it where like, hey, I'm paying for this and this is my kid and I'm in charge here ultimately. And, you know, I've had, I've had some parents that 
I've said to them, fine, take the kid, take him away and go somewhere else. And if you can find somewhere better than what I'm doing, if you can find someone who's going to put as much time in as I will, then that's absolutely fine. And I want that for the kid because I want the, ultimately, I believe that coaching is their side of the net, not my side of the net. So it's nothing, it's, you know, it's not about my, my ego, it's about theirs and trying to do the best I can for the kid. And so I've had times where kids left and then came back. And because I knew that I was doing a good job, I knew I was giving them everything I could. Not that I always got it right, but the intention was always to get it right. Um, I think they, they see that in the end. So my advice kind of there to coaches would be just make sure you're doing the best job you can. Just make sure that you are trying to tick all your boxes and you are trying to explain everything and do the best for the kid because I think parents ultimately do see that. Um, one of the most difficult tennis parents, types of tennis parents that I've dealt with, and I understand again why, is play, tennis, tennis players who have played at a high level or a decent level, <clears throat> and then they get someone to coach their kid, but they feel like they need to be heavily involved. Have you guys had experience of that? Where like the parent has been a good player themselves and that they kind of want to be a part of the coaching process, which for me is ne never goes well. What, what, what do you say? How do you handle that situation? Well, I mean, I've, I've been there for sure. And I would say that it goes back to communicating, I believe. Um, my first question when I get a parent that has a kid that has talent and wants to pursue a career in tennis the first thing I ask is, hey, how much involvement are you going to have? How, how much involvement do you want me to have? Mm. And if they say, hey, uh, like if I get a good tennis parent, they say, hey, I want him to hit his forehand with an Eastern grip because that's how I hit it. And mm. I want him to have this type of game style. And okay, sounds good. Then what, what do you need me for? Well, sometimes it'll be, hey, I just need you to do some hitting with him, some teaching patterns. Um, teach him how to play I want you to push him because sometimes he won't listen to me so you know essentially the first thing is to lay that foundation in my opinion hey what what does the parent want from me set obviously as a oh yeah set the, set the set the ground rules and obviously as a coach we always want to you know as as much hands-on as possible so that we can you know develop an identity for the kid and mm. you know so so we can really be an influence for them but essentially, at the end of the day, like you said, parents is paying the bill. And, you know, that's the question. Hey, what involvement do you want me to have, especially if you're a tennis, a tennis parent? That's a, that's a great question, Martin. I think that's a great question to ask uh, right away to, mm -hmm. to a parent that is, you see that is getting involved uh, way too much. And, you know, going back to the question that you say, Tom, uh, what would you do with those type of parents that have been players? You know, I think in those situations, most of the times, because they have the knowledge of tennis and, and they have been there. I think, I feel that a lot of the times uh, they first want to test you a little bit, right? How, how much you know, how much you care about, about their kid, you know? Uh, and, and, you know, you have to have that communication again and, and make, make the parent feel that, uh, you know, you got this, uh, uh, you, can, you can do it well. And, and, and that, uh, that distance between parent and kid has to, has to also be there probably to, Mm -hmm. to help uh, the development again, you know? 100%. I, um, I draw a hard line on this one. And as much as I understand parents, I was very black and white when it came to parents' involvement in their development. Mm -hmm. 
um, because I had the the opinion that you're hiring me because I'm an expert in what I do. You're hiring me because I'm an expert in developmental developmental coaching, and if you come to me, obviously I'm doing something right, right? You you've liked something you've seen. Uh, even my players are doing well, or for whatever reason, right? And so I would always, as kind of like what you said, Marty, I would always make it very clear. Listen, I know you're paying the bills, but I don't need you to pay my bills. You know what I mean? I'm not doing this because I want you to, to, to give me money at the end of this. The money part was never a motivation for me when it came to coaching. It was always, I just loved coaching. I loved developing players. I loved traveling and being part of the process. And I did it because I felt like I was going to do the best job for those kids. There were times where I, I told kids, I'm, I don't want to coach you. I told parents, I don't want to coach your kid because I don't think I'm the right person for you. And I was very open and honest with that. And I, I remember having conversations with, with parents who were good players and saying, look, if you're coming to me because you want me to do that, you know, the half, like just do some drills and stuff. I was like, there's other coaches around. My style of coaching is that I am 100% in charge of their, their, the way they're developing as tennis players. And I take that responsibility. If they're not getting the results, I take the responsibility. And that's the way I like to do things. So I had parents that would come in and I honestly, one of my favorite tennis parents I ever worked with in the end was one of the most difficult one at the beginning because he wanted, his kid was extremely talented and he wanted his kid who was like four foot nothing to serve and volley. And this kid's like 11, 12, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there going, look, I can't. I don't care how much money you pay me. I'm not coaching your kid to serve and volley. Like, your kid's extremely talented. got some of the best um, strokes I've seen, some of the best, like, natural ability on the ball. And I'm not going to coach him to come to the net where he can just get lobbed by someone who's just hitting a normal forehand across court, right? And, you know, we went back and forth and I said, look, I'll be very open and honest with you. Take the kids somewhere else. Go to someone else who will do that for you if that's what you want. And being that honest, and it, you know, it wasn't a pleasant conversation to start with, but uh, the more and more honest we were, the more and more we talked about it. As I said, that he was one of the, that, that parent was one of the closest parents I ever got to. And years later, we still talk because we built that relationship from the early point where we were very open and honest. The communication was really strong. We didn't hold back and we built a fantastic relationship. And, um, and you know, I think that's coaches have just got to be strong with their, with what they believe in. And if the parents don't agree, then the parents need to go somewhere else because ultimately the kid's going to suffer. If you've got parents and coaches going back and forth and they can't resolve it, the kid's got to go somewhere else because the kid hasn't got enough time for that, in my opinion, you know? So, um, that's a great point. Um, what, let yeah. me add to that. Not just the kid will suffer, but also the coach. If you're having to do something that you don't believe in, you don't like that hour and a half or two hours you spend with that kid is going to be Absolutely. an eternity. So yeah. I think a hundred percent with that, you know, stick with your guns and what you believe in. And that's your identity right there. Do not ever let yeah. go of that. So hundred yeah. percent. What what do you guys think though uh, on the other side, you know, like uh, because I, I I agree totally with what you're saying, but what do you think of the successful side 
that I mentioned earlier, of those players that actually are on TV, you know, that their coaches or in their coaching team, there's someone really strong, mm -hmm. uh, like their dad or the mom uh, as, as a coach. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I think it's, it's an anomaly when it happens. I do think that, you know, we see it in the pro game and we see it at the, with, at the top level, but it's not, it's not common. It's not common in all levels of tennis. And for people who watch high-level tennis, like the top, the top guys and girls, and they see that parents do that, it's an unrealistic view of tennis parents coaching kids. I, I fundamentally believe that. I think if you were to take the percentage of, of when it works out of 100%, it would be less than 5%, right? Way less than 5%. So, yeah, does it work? For sure. And any, any situation, there's going, to be, there's going to be anomalies. But I think I, I always said, right? And I was, you know, without sounding big-headed, I was very confident in my ability to, to develop players. And had great success in my career from it. And I always say, if I have kids, I won't coach my kids. My job will be to find someone that I believe will do a very good job. And that's where I use my expertise is to assess whether I think that, that coach can do the job. And then I stay out of it because I don't want to, I don't want to coach my child. And I just don't think it works because tennis is not the whole entire child. Like as coaches, sometimes we get it we forget that that kid, when they walk out of the tennis center, becomes a normal kid. It's not the player that we're trying to develop anymore. You know, they go home and they have silly arguments with their siblings and they, um, they have rough times at school. And that parent has, has been there since day one, right? And they know that kid inside out and they'll be there for that kid after tennis is done. And so, you know, I think it's, there's so much that goes on between a parent and a child that to throw in the amount of stress that coaches feel developing players and giving that stress to a parent who already have a way harder job just being a parent, I think is just, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not a system that I think is sustainable or one that would work um, more often than not, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's an interesting topic right there. Um, I mean, adding on to that, I, I mean, you're setting a, a dynamic for your family if you're coaching your kid. Like you said mm -hmm. earlier, it's just going to be tennis in the house, tennis outside the house. And it's, how healthy is that for a family? Yeah, I, I, I don't know much about the relationships of the coach and the parent coach with the player mm. that have happened in the past, but... I mean, I can, you know, I can see how that could definitely affect the family's, you know, relationship if it gets too intense. For sure. I think I'm biased as well because my, I think my parents were fantastic. Like, honestly, I can't fault my parents. My parents gave me every opportunity to be successful in tennis, but they didn't pretend they knew anything about it because they didn't. And they never tried to tell my coaches what to do. They never tried to... Uh, tell me what tournaments I should play in or how the only time they ever critiqued anything to do with my tennis was because it was my personality. It was like me behaving, right? They would say, well, you're acting like an idiot, but that doesn't matter if I'm on a tennis court or if I'm in the house, that's their job. Right. And so they would only assess me on like my behaviors. They would never like assess my game or 
uh, you know, judge where I am in my development stage or whatever. Because they just said, look, the coaches know what they're doing. We trust the coaches and that's their job, not ours. We've got a life ourselves. And I think it just, it, again, I'm, I'm probably biased because I had that kind of upbringing. But I just think it, it builds a much healthier relationship at home when it's not all about getting wins on a tennis court. Because that's essentially what it all boils down to, right? Like if everyone's winning, everyone's happy. But that's not how it works. It never goes that, that way. It's, it's, never a, it's never smooth sailing. And so for me, I just think that for any parent that is, 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 has a, a child that is excelling in tennis right now, just be their parent. And that your job as a parent, I believe, is to hire a person that you trust and that you can question and you get answers to and, and be there for the kid who is just a kid. Like these, we talked about this in previous podcasts. These kids are not professional athletes. They are children who are good at a sport. And the chances of them becoming professional athletes is so astronomically low that you're going to have to deal with the ramifications of that child, the ref- with that child for the rest of their lives. And so you don't want to burn that bridge with the kid or set at the wrong tone from an early age because of this thing called tennis that will be a very short period of their life. You know, like for us, we were tennis players from the age of maybe like, let's say six to 22, let's say. And then we weren't tennis players anymore. We were either tennis coaches or, you know, we were going to get jobs. And it's like, yeah, sure, we played tennis. But then at that point, it's just for fun, right? And so if you think of the lifespan of a child, hopefully they live to be very old and they have a long life. You don't want to set a, a, a bad tone and, bad, and, and have a bad relationship with that child just because of this tiny period of their time. You know, and it's just, I just don't think it's worth it. So I just, I, that's what I used to say to parents. I'm like, just, you need to have a, you need to enjoy their childhood. You need to enjoy the process of them playing tennis, not let it ruin your relationship. If that will make sense. Good point. Well said. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I agree um, totally. I think there's okay. another part that I wanted to touch upon as well, uh, before we run out of time, is that you've got to educate the child how to, to appreciate their parents. Like, I remember doing a, uh, I used to do classroom sessions with the academies once a week or twice a week. And, or even in the summers, I do it every day. And like one of the, one of the talks I did with them was I actually broke down how much it costs a parent on average to put, to, to um, develop a high level tennis player in the United States. And it's astronomical how much money tennis costs people. And it's like you're looking at travel for tournaments. You're looking for accommodation for tournaments. You're looking for food at tournaments. Then you're looking at equipment. Then you're looking at training. Then you're looking at coaching fees. Like there's so much that goes into this. And I, you know, when, when, and I kind of used it to teach the kids like, hey, when you go to a tournament and you start tanking, just remember how much this is costing your parents. And a lot of your parents don't, you know, don't make, ridiculous amount of money where they can just go splash thousands and thousands of dollars, uh, you know, a month on you to go and act like a brat. And I think that relationship there, when the child shows appreciation to the parent of like, Hey mom, dad, I'm really grateful for you giving me this opportunity. The parents relax a bit. They, they enjoy the journey more because they can see the child is appreciative of it. 
when you've got this child that's that's not appreciative of it and the and the coach is not really communicating and this parent is shelling out hundreds and thousands of dollars or pounds like of course they're going to be frustrated of course they're going to try to uh try to take control of this again because at the end of the day, like I've never had to spend that kind of money on someone else's uh, dream. It's always been about mine. So, you know, I can't imagine what it's like to spend $2,000 on a tournament and the kid tanks and the coach doesn't even, the coach isn't even interested in, in what's going on in the tournament. And it's just like, then you're like, well, what am I, what am I spending my money for? You know? And it then, you know, it also goes down to, they are paying for a service. Ultimately, we were providing a service, even though I was, had the, the, the mindset of like, look, you're paying for a service and I'm the expert here. My, my responsibility as a coach was to provide that service, you know, and part of that service is to educate the child on just how lucky they are. So I don't know if you guys had any experience with that. No, no I just wanted to say that uh, Martin, uh, Martin would love with that. Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm... I'm not going to push my kid into do anything. He's just, I mean, it's just a waste of my time, waste of my money if I'm throwing him in to do something. Like Tom was talking about, it has to be born from them. They have to want it. And parents' job to be supportive at the end of the day is, uh, you know, the name of the game. So, yeah. you know. I mean, one of, the, one of the toughest decisions and one of the toughest things I had to do in my in my coaching career was, one of the players I love coaching the most who was a very, very good player, you know, a national level player. I was traveling with him for a period of two years. I was traveling with him for um, probably 15 plus tournaments a year, um, as well as all the other tournaments I was going to. I was just going to like 15 individual tournaments of him. I took him to Orange Bowl. Fantastic kid and fantastic family. I can't fault them at all. But the kid's heart wasn't in it. and you know, he was, he was in it when it was going well. And then when things started to get really tough, when he started to get to the top, top levels of junior tennis, because I mean, he was playing at Orange Bowl, which is a seriously high level. And the stress that that brings to a child at that, that age and the stress it brings to the parents. And ultimately, you know, the kid decided he wanted to quit and the, and the parents were really struggling with it. And I just said, look, if the kid doesn't want to do it, they need to quit. It's not worth it. Like you guys need to learn to be a family again and need to learn to enjoy each other. That's more important than whatever he achieves on a tennis court, because for all the positive things we've said about how, what tennis can do for a personality, it can also tear families apart. And I think we have to be very aware of that as coaches is that look, when it's going well or when it's in a positive environment, yes, tennis is a fantastic sport to play for kids and to develop life skills. But when it's not what the kid wants to do, it can be very poisonous tennis, you know, and very lonely and develop very, you know, bad behaviors for the kid. And so um, I think there as well, like the parents and the coaches have to be very, very honest and say, like, look, if this is someone else's dream, not the kids, it's probably not. There's probably time to do something else, you know. Yeah, no, 100 percent with that. Um... Just like anything, you know, just follow at the end of the day, follow your dream. Don't do something for a paycheck. Do it because you really want to. And, you know, you'll succeed. 
yeah whether it's at the top level at the middle level or, or wherever you'll you'll be doing something you love and it won't feel like a job it'll feel like your life passion that's what we all want for everyone well we're running out of time and uh we could probably sit and talk about this for for a lot longer but um Marty, all I'm going to say is that in 10 years' time, when we have the number one tennis podcast in the world and, uh, and your kid is going through all this, we'll, uh, we'll do the second part of this episode to see how things are going, okay? Sounds um, good. Guess. Sounds yeah. This podcast is going to hold me accountable to do the right thing as a parent now. Yeah. So, <laughs> good timing. Well, boys, I appreciate your time as always. Appreciate your insights. And uh, for anyone who's watching... Uh, we appreciate you being patient for us. I know you've been wondering where the podcast has been for the last couple of uh, weeks, but we're back and we'll be back next week for another topic. Um, I will say this again, that if you guys who are listening have any topics you want us to discuss, feel free to reach out to us individually. We're all on Instagram. Um, and uh, yeah, and just, just, just shoot them over to us and we're happy to talk about anything that you guys want us to talk about. Um, but until then... Boys, thank you very much, and I'll see you next week. See you next time. Bye-bye. Good times. Bye-bye.